Hey, I'm Robert Pearson, and this is Follow the Leader. And uh, we're going to do another Blue Collar Bible Scholar today. And today's, what is evangelism? And we're just going to go over the basics of evangelism and some, some practicals that you can just, on your daily life, do. So, evangelism is a big fancy word for telling people about Jesus. It comes from the Greek word euangelion, which means good news or gospel is the, uh, the English word that we use, which comes from Gottspiel. I learned from the comments. Thanks, Mr. Gospel Bearer. I hadn't looked in the etymology of that word before. That was cool. So, all evangelism kind of starts with the Great Commission, where Jesus told his disciples to tell everybody about him in uh, not so many words. Uh, they're Great Commission is basically the last line of all of the Gospels but John. Where Jesus is hanging out with his disciples for the last time after he rose from the dead. Looks around at everybody and he's like, guys, guys, you gotta tell people this is important. I'm gonna be back later. Like a lot later, okay? And just do the best you can until I get back. Bye. And he flies up into the air and Hasn't been back since. Going on 2,000 plus years, give or take. Um, no, wait, yeah, 0, 30, 2,000. Yeah, we're coming up on a flat 2,000 years since he left. Uh, and around uh, 80, 30 ish. 80, 33, depending on, uh, you know, how you read star charts and stuff. Anyway, nuance. It's not It's not super important at this point. Uh, he's been gone for a while is the point. And uh, anybody who says they know when he's coming back is wrong. In the Gospels, Jesus tells us even he doesn't know when he's showing up. He's like, look, only the Father knows, not even the Son. So, just hang in. Hang tight, guys. Hang tight. Be ready. So, whenever people say we're in the end times, I chuckle to myself a little bit because I'm like, yeah, We've been in the end times for about 2,000 years. But, yeah, it's all right. So, the Great Commission is uh, the, the one most people use is from the end of Matthew, though there's one at the end of Mark and Luke also. Uh, John kind of has it, and uh, there's a repeat of it in the book of Acts. At, right at the beginning, because Acts picks up right where Luke leaves off. So Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, written by the same dude to the same dude. Uh, he's writing to a guy named Theophilus. Nuance. Anyway, so uh, in Matthew, it's uh, go therefore, teaching all the nations. Um, uh, go therefore, making disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, uh, or baptizing them, uh, teaching them to observe all I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. And so Jesus is here with us, and he's coming back. And he left to send the Holy Spirit to us. So there's a there's quite a bit going on, but the punchline though is tell people about Jesus while you can. Now there's a there's some nuance to that because obviously it is awesome to just stand on a street corner and yell about Jesus at people. There's uh, some cool people on YouTube who put video up of them doing exactly that. 
And that's amazing. And not everyone is called to that. Uh, Not everybody is sort of internally hardwired for what they feel fulfilled by or their gifts or their calling is is focused to that uh, street corner preaching style uh, of, uh, of evangelism. There are other ways to evangelize. Uh, there's a lot of us because I'm still formulating my thoughts on this. Even even as I live, I always learn new stuff and go, well, I, I've been doing that wrong for a while. Let's, let's fix it and keep going. Uh, my mileage has been that everybody needs to share Jesus. And there's a wonderful quote, and you know how quotes get thrown around. I, I think it might have been Augustine or... Uh, some monastic father from uh, friar type from uh, early early church slash Catholicism, but preach the gospel at all times if necessary. Use words, and it's a great idea that we need to live the gospel. Um, but at the same time, it can be overemphasized that you almost never need to say anything. So, I just want to be clear: I'm not condemning one way or the other of sharing the gospel. There are a lot of ways to tell people about Jesus. Some of them don't actually even involve using words, but your actions and uh, and how you treat people, the way you go through life. And you're, you're not always going to see it. So, uh, Paul... No, it's one of the verses I forgot to look up before I did this. Uh, Paul is in uh, one of... I think it's 1 Corinthians... And there's uh, been some arguments amongst one of the churches he started about people following him or following this other cat named uh, Apollo. Or Apollos. No, no, Apollo. Yeah, yeah, it's Apollo. Uh, They're following this other guy named Apollo. Some are following Paul. Some are saying, ah, Jesus, I follow Christ. And Paul says, hey, everybody, I don't remember Jesus being broken up. We're all on the same team. I planted the church. Apollo came along after me and taught some. God makes the church grow. We're all doing the same thing, moving the same direction towards the same goal. And uh, so a lot of people use this verse to critique denominations. It's a big thing I don't want to get into right now. Uh, but the punchline is, uh, in uh, essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty. Once again, another quote that gets bandied about, and I forget who exactly says it. Uh, but it's a good one. Uh, but then people start arguing about what is and is not essential, and then you still get denominations. Whatever. Uh, just make your best guess and keep moving forward. Uh, trust that God has your back, but be intentional and deliberate as you can be about these decisions. So, back to evangelism. You just have to tell people about Jesus, and it's okay if you tell people about Jesus in your own way, And sometimes you'll never bring somebody to Christ. So full disclosure, I've never actually led another human to Jesus. Like we go through the sinner's prayer, I I baptize them and all that stuff. I've never done it. I have talked about Jesus a lot to other people. I have taught other Christians things they didn't know about in the Bible. I've... Given, I've shared resources to help other people increase their biblical knowledge. Um, so I've done my part for discipling and for telling people about Jesus. And so wherever you're at on that equation, the evangelist is the guy who God gave him a knack to just, they're the one 
who's harvesting. Some people, they're the one who's planting. They'll go through all of their life, and they're just sowing seeds. They just leave a little bit of the Word of God anywhere they go. And so you're not going to see the fruit of that, probably ever, in your life. It's only when you get to the, uh, the other side of the veil, when God calls you into His kingdom and says, Hey, bud, check this out. And it's replay, and you see all the people that you left a positive impact with. Because of that, eventually accept Christ, you know, decades after you knew them. There's stories about this all over the place, when you find testimonies of people that they'll say, you know what, someone shared that exact verse with me 20 years ago, and I'm going to accept the gospel now. And so you don't know where you're at in other people's journey. So just do the very best that you can to be as godly as you can with everyone you meet, and you'll sow seeds. At the same time, never hesitate to share your testimony because, or, you know, how, what Jesus has meant to you, uh, what the gospel is that Christ came and uh, lived and died and was born again and is the, uh, the grace now to, for God to forgive us of our sins. <clears throat> All of that is necessary. You, know, you might be the one to win people. You might do a little bit of any of them. You may just be a, the kind of Christian whose gifts and uh, talents that God has given you is simply for building the church. There are a lot of Bible college professors that maybe never won a soul to Christ, maybe never passed a congregation, but they are equipping so many pastors that are going to eventually then go and be on the front lines and win souls for Christ and use all of the knowledge given to them by that uh, college professor who may never venture off a campus in his life. And, you know, maybe just uh, might occasionally mention what he does for a living with a Walmart checkout lady or something. And that's it. But he's building the kingdom of God. It's all working together for the same goal. And so evangelism is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But you should be intentionally trying to find where your place is. And at, at different times in your life, you may be called upon to do any or all of them. So, as you're doing that, there's some principles to abide by. Is just yelling at people about Jesus may not always be the best answer. Once again, street evangelism is its own thing. And there that's what John the Baptist did. That's what Jesus did at one point. He called his disciples to do. He told them out, go out into the streets and tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the whole sermon outline he gave his disciples when he sent them out. Just go tell that to people. So... That guy with the sandwich board that says the end is nigh? He might be doing God's work. I don't know. <clears throat> the uh, There's a, a phrase that comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, and it's, Do not cast pearls before swine, or the swine will trample them and then turn on you and, and rend you. Pigs can be mean, y'all. The, the principle from this saying, which can be a little confusing, is you don't take something that you treasure, that's, that's, that is, uh, really valuable, and give it to something that has no knowledge of how valuable it is, and they're just gonna, you know, spit on it, and spit on you. So, it's not that we shouldn't tell everyone about Jesus, but there's a time and a place for it. 
street evangelism works because a lot of people just wander through their day not really paying attention to a whole, month, a whole lot. And when somebody suddenly is, is preaching of the gospel, they can hear that in the middle of their day and go, Oh, what? Hey, I didn't know that. Awesome. Bam. Good deal, bud. You're not going to go into the middle of a rave where everybody's coked out of their mind and just start shouting about Jesus. In general, in general, that's how wisdom works, is in general, it's not a good idea. Once again, there's room for the Holy Spirit to work. God makes rules that are guidelines, and then he breaks those rules. Uh, So there may be a call or a move of the Holy Spirit for you to just wander into a rave one time where everybody's coked out of their head. Pick one guy out of the crowd, look him in the face, and say, repent, sinner. God has a plan for your life. And then just walk out. That's possible. I'm not saying that that's wrong all the time. In general, it's not a productive long-term strategy in general. There are better ways to accomplish the goal. That's how the Bible handles wisdom. Uh, If you read through a lot of Proverbs, it brings a lot of wisdom, but it's broad strokes, broad generalizations of wisdom. There will be specific cases that are uh, exceptions to the rule, but those cases are exceptions. And usually, they're because it's a random chance or the hand of God. Uh, And sometimes, the hand of God disguises random chance. So just understand, this is painting with broad strokes, because as humans, using finite language, we have to generalize in order to have any meaningful conversation. Just as long as we all understand that there are generalizations that, speaking broadly, this is true. Um, You know, when I say that men are stronger than women, that's a general statement. I would not want to go even a round or two with Ronda Rousey. That's not a thing that I would like to do. Uh, But I would not be afraid of fist-fighting an average woman. I'm confident in my strength and size advantage. In general, it's general. There are specific instances that defy, you know, the bell curve and all that. So, massive side tangent, uh, just to be clear, though. In general, you don't want to just share the gospel with somebody who is not in a place. You have an angry atheist who's just ranting about um, how Christianity is a farce. It would not be wise to sit down and just discuss deep theological nuance about the nature of God with him. You could, however, well, God bless. You have a nice day. I'm, I'm done with this conversation. Um, so you can bring God into the moment. You can share Jesus with him. You say, hey, God loves you and he sent his son to die for your sins. Bye. Uh, but sitting there and discussing the finer nuance of uh, the theological downsides of how Augustine accepts some of Plato's premises, that's not a useful conversation with some somebody like a Richard Dawkins or a, a Sam Harris. That's not, not helpful, right? Pearls, swine. There's somebody who is not going to appreciate the value of the thing you put before them. Now, uh, and I, I don't care if the Bible uses dehumanizing language. You can't dehumanize anything if you're an atheist, because humans are animals. So, either all humans are animals, or all animals are human. Uh, but if there's no distinction, and if you're an evolutionist, atheist, there is no distinction between humans and animals. 
So, what do you care? All right. Uh, now, uh, the other thing is Jesus tells his disciples as he's sending them out, Matthew 10, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 16. He tells them to be as shrewd as serpents and harmless as doves as he's sending his 70 out. He sends, uh, at one point, he has uh, 70 disciples. He gets them all together and says, go preach the, the good news. Say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was what I was re- referring to earlier, is this moment. And he tells them to be shrewd as serpents and harmless as doves. Uh, more animal analogies. It's awesome. God made all of them. There's no problem with it. Just remember humans are special because God made them. Now, that is not to be deceptive, it's to be shrewd, to be intelligent, to be wise. Like I said, don't walk into the middle of a rave where everybody's coked out or out of their mind on ecstasy and expect to have a deep theological conversation or win a lot of souls that night. Once again, there are exceptions as uh, the Lord wills, as the Holy Spirit moves. Always. That's, that's an assumed, as the Lord wills, right? Now, it should be an assumed, it isn't always for everybody. Uh, now, that said, as we're going through our lives, it's important to remember telling somebody about Jesus isn't the same as the Great Commission. You need to have follow-through. There is a discipleship afterwards. One of the critiques or criticisms of Billy Graham's Crusades for Christ, which is a big evangelistic movement in the nation, is there were a lot of souls won to the Lord, and a lot of those people were left hanging without any follow-up. So you pray the sinner's prayer, and then you get left adrift in a sea of churches, uh, and then you were stuck with like, well, now what do I do? Oh, too bad, they're off in the next town. So there's there's a balance between you have to tell somebody about Jesus, and you need that follow-through. You have to take that baby Christian and show them the things of God and help teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. What is a disciple? It's, it's a taught one, one who learns. Discipline, right? You show them the, the structure and the form of Christianity, following Christ, being becoming Christ-like. Uh, read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. It's the old uh, children's church song. And there's so much truth in that, I still as an adult haven't fully wrapped my brain around how so much of what I needed to know was to just take that song so literal and seriously. It's amazing. Uh, Don't read your Bible, forget to pray, and you shrink, shrink, shrink. And as a kid, you get to like stand up tall and then stand up on your chair and then sit back down and huddle down on the ground as you grow and shrink. It's an amazing song. Amazing song. Just YouTube it. Oh, and you get a minute. And it's delightful. And it's 100% right. Um, there's some theological nuance missing about the work of the Holy Spirit and the importance of proper doctrine. However, I believe that proper, right doctrine is a matter of what is objectively true in reality. And so if you read your Bible prayerfully, in the fear of God, with a will to find truth, which is Jesus, Jesus is true, over the course of your life, you are going to slowly discover what is and is not true. So I have no problem with disagreeing with fellow Christians when I know that there's someone who reads their Bible, they pray every day, they're trying hard to know and test what is true, wrestling with God, wrestling with the Scriptures. 
And so when we disagree, I'm going to push them and I expect them to push back. And it's in that, Lord willing, we both come closer to what is true. Whether I'm wrong, whether they're wrong, whether we're both wrong, and we both have to go back and revise our arguments and see and study and know more. But that's the journey you're on. You're not going to get there overnight. It's slow. It's you just methodical. You read one chapter every day. Read a verse every day. But every day learn just a little more about God. Read a little more Bible. Uh, <clears throat> so you're to go and make disciples. So you win people to Christ, and then you have to teach them about Christ. What did they really sign up for? How did it really go? Uh, the Catholic Catechism, where they they take the time to teach you, and then they allow you to become baptized, is kind of warped version of a tradition of the early church, where they would not let people get baptized until they had taught them the full meaning and understanding of Christianity. And then they were like, okay, now you know what you're getting into. Now you know about Christ, you know about our fundamental theology, you've read your Bible quite a bit, now are you ready? Now are you willing to take the dive, you know? And then they would allow them to get baptized. They used to have bouncers in some early churches. The deacons were bouncers to keep unbaptized people out of the church service. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. I just, I think it's interesting that God-fearing people who read their Bible all the time, came, or not read their Bible, but they, they had the scripture read publicly, and we like to think that the early church got it 100% right to, uh, I just, I phrased it that way because it's not a, it's not decided that the early church is the only true way to do church, and that modern churches are all wrong because they don't model the early church. I also think it's good to model the early church, and uh, there's a lot of value from that. So I just, I phrased it with intentional ambiguity because I think it's a conversation that should be had, and every person should make up their own mind on it. That's that's my big flag I wave, is you need to make up your mind for your reasons. Um, teaching people to fish. That's all I do here. Only fishing poles. No fish. So... Just that to emphasize how important discipleship was in the early church. And we've gotten away from that a little bit, where, you know, once you learn the core beliefs of our denomination, uh, you're baptized, you're, you're on the membership rolls, you're good. Uh, if you want to show up to Bible study if you want, show up once a week to get your spiritual life babysat for 20 minutes before going home. We're good. Uh, <coughs> sorry if too much bitterness came through on that. I'm working hard on it. So... But the, the goal is to teach, and not just to teach people about God, but to teach people to teach. So the Great Commission includes discipleship. And uh, Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, it's an oldie but a goodie if you're in the, the Bible college game, or the, the pastor know, or whatever, that uh, your uh, Paul is talking to a young man that he has basically building congregations. So Paul would run around and start a church, and then he had other people come around behind him and help build those churches, and he would go start other churches, because that was his knack. That was what he was good at, and he's called to do. And so 
he uh, he's giving advice on how to help build a church and and establish elders in that church to this young buck called Timothy. And he says, uh, find good men and teach them to teach others also. Robert's paraphrase. You can go look it up. And that idea that you're teaching them to teach other people. So you teach them what's true and teach them how to teach others. And that's the part that I think is missing in a lot of churches nowadays. And it's, it's something I'm trying to fix. And it's something that you should be working towards uh, teaching yourself if no one is helping teach you. When you have a lack of a mentor, your goal should be to become the mentor that you wish you had. You know, if you can't find a Mr. Miyagi and you're Daniel-san and you've got no Mr. Miyagi, then you need to learn how to become Mr. Miyagi. So you can be Miyagi to, you know, to find Daniel-san's to be Miyagi to. That's how it rolls. They were a good movie. Uh, there's some weird parts. It's not a great film. But it's a, it's a solid film. And uh, so you're, you're teaching them about the things of God. And um, once again, just I fall back on read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. You don't have to be Augustine. You don't have to be Francis of Assisi or one of these famous church know-it-alls from the past. You just have to be a guy who reads his Bible and goes to church and does his best. And take it seriously and do your best to learn a little more every day. And so then you are equipped to teach somebody else who's at least behind you on the path towards God. Uh, if nobody's helping teach you and you're teaching yourself and you find somebody else and they don't know what they're doing, if you're even just one lesson ahead of the student, offer to go, hey, I don't know much, but here's what I do know. Be honest, be sincere. Don't hide and go, well, yes, I have all the answers. That's, that's crazy. But just let them know. I don't know much, but I know this. And just bring them up to speed with where you're at. Now you're both in it together. And you can do this in the world, or you can do this inside of a church that isn't doing very well on these things. Is find other, build relationships, find other good and godly men searching for the same thing that you're searching for. Because they're there. And just start moving down the path together. Uh, Get arm in arm and skip down the road. Now, to practicals. How do you do that? Uh, had an awesome pastor, Pastor Dave, uh, who's moved to a different congregation now, and we are in limbo, as it were, except limbo doesn't exist anymore. I don't understand Catholics. Anyway, uh, he used, in uh, John chapter 4, Jesus has an encounter with a Samaritan woman at a well, and our pastor used this verse to break down a good way to do interpersonal evangelism. And so Jesus meets this woman at the well, and he says, hey, could you give me a drink of water? And she gets him a drink of water. Uh, I forget, no, I don't think he actually gets his drink, now that I'm thinking about it. He just asks for her, and then the conversation starts. So he starts a conversation with her, builds some rapport, and then he asks her uh, a spiritual question. He brings uh, application to the spiritual. And he, she starts asking him questions about spiritual things. And then he's able to take that momentum and put the focus on God. Put the focus on the Messiah. And uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating moment. 
Jesus, uh, the first thing to note that everybody points out is he's crossing all kinds of cultural boundaries. In a public place, as a first century Jewish man, you do not talk to women in public. You talk to other men, and that's it. So he's talking to a woman in public. Now, once again, these are social amores, not hard and fast uh, religious laws. Just social observances, customs, if you will. So he, he talks with her, even though she's of a different social class. She's a Samaritan, not a Jew, and they were seen as just uh, pagans. So the Samaritans were Jews that stayed in the land of Israel. They were from the old kingdom of Israel when they split into two kingdoms. And uh, so all the everybody got taken out to Babylon, and a lot of the Israelite kingdom in the north, that was the kingdom that fell farther away from God, towards Baalism, stayed in the land. And they kept getting farther from God and having their own separate religious tradition. And then all the Jews start coming back from the diaspora when uh, the uh, the Jews kicked the Greeks out and ruled their own nation for a time. And so those are the Samaritans. Is They're the people that stayed there the whole time and had their separate religious tradition when the Jews come back and you get into Second Temple Judaism, which is the, uh, the religious tradition of the time when Jesus shows up. Uh, first century uh, Jewish uh, religion. Uh, first century being from 0 to 100 AD. All that to say, there was some stigma to reaching out to these people that uh, everybody just avoided them, and then they avoided talking to women for social and cultural reasons, not for hard and fast, God said so reasons. So he reaches out to talk to her, and he builds rapport. He asks her to help, him. he asks for help, um, he, he offers to meet a need, and then guided the conversation. After building rapport and building a relationship, he guided the conversation to spiritual things. And then after talking about spiritual things and bringing truth into that conversation, he then has the follow-through of, leads the spiritual conversation to talking about Messiah, about Jesus. Yeah, him. He's the man. You know, I am he, is the way he kind of leads into it. So, the way we take that into our lives is we build relationships at work, at church, in our community, get to know people, know their name, know their kids. But you have to care. That's the catch, is you have to actually care about them as a person. Not just be doing it so I could jump in and tell them about Jesus and split. You know, and, oh, they don't want to hear about Jesus? Okay, fine, I'm done. No, you have to care about them as a human being and take the time to build a relationship because you care about them. And then as you build that relationship, even if it's just borrowing your neighbor's lawnmower or helping them mow their lawn... Because their lawnmower broke. And like, ah, I'll just do it for you one day when I'm out mowing my lawn already. That kind of stuff. Simple stuff goes a long way. So then you guide the conversation towards spiritual things. Hey man, what do you think about ghosts? Just simple, silly nonsense as that. To get them talking about spiritual stuff. Or when they ask, hey, why did you lend, why did you mow my lawn for me? I could have done it. Because Jesus loves you. Awkward pause live in the awkward pause and just embrace it. Because they'll ask a follow-up question eventually. Not that day, not that moment, but eventually. Um, and so just ask them about what they believe about spiritual things. What do they believe about life after death? Be curious about them as a person. Ask what they believe. Ask if they have any needs. Offer to pray for things that they need and have. If you just have that relationship open, you'll find that a lot of people will come to you. Even though they're atheist. Uh, Islam, uh, Muslims or whatever, 
they'll come to you for prayer sometimes if you just make it known that you're willing to pray for them. And pray for them right there. Don't say, oh, I'll pray about that. No, in the moment, say, do you mind if I pray with you? You know, hand, take their hand, put your hand on their shoulder, make it happen right there in public. Embrace the awkward because the, the outpouring of that is awesomeness. It's called the Holy Spirit, which is awesome. Um, and then follow through, right? So after you bring to spiritual things or you pray for their needs, have a moment where you're going to be intentional about finding an opportunity to invite them to your church, to share your testimony with them, um, or to actually help them learn that they have to repent of their sin and um, seek God and become baptized and become a believer and begin attending a church somewhere. That's, that's all part of it. <clears throat> so, But that follow-through, you have to be looking then for an opportunity. Once again, you built a relationship because you care about them as a person. It has to be motivated from a pure sense of loving them as a person and wanting what's best for them. And so you, because you care about them, you're building a relationship. You then begin speaking about spiritual things to find out where they're at. Genuinely care about it. Don't tune out when they start talking about their Islamic faith. Listen. Learn things about them. And then at some point, there'll be an opportunity to follow through, to share your own testimony of faith, of what God has done in your life, of how you came to Jesus. Um, You might be the one to lead them to Jesus. At the very least, because you have that open relationship, use every opportunity. Invite them to your church. If you're not that skilled, your pastor should be, right? Uh, Every church, if it's doing its job, should have community events that are designed to invite people to. Um, Whether it's uh, uh, a Resurrection Sunday retreat. I I don't like calling it Easter. Um, But it's, you know, not a retreat, but like a a fair or festival at the church or at a community location. It's something, though. Every church should have something that you can invite people to. And, you know, whether you're just hanging up flyers in uh, in your break room. Or uh, one church I went to is the coolest thing. They printed off, they always spent money to print off business cards that had the event on it. The times for the event and the date of the church and the name of the church and phone numbers on the back. So you could hand them out. So you could show them like, hey, my church is doing a thing. They give us these cards for it. Bam. And so you're like, hey, bring your kids to VBS. Hey, show up to the Easter Day thing, man. Free candy and a barbecue. Come on out. Hey, they got a Father's Sunday they're doing. Come on out. Free barbecue, free breakfast. And uh, your, your kid can shoot BB guns in the back of the church and, you know, play in a bounce house. And, you know, they're going to have the town SWAT team there. You know, anything. It's awesome stuff. Yeah. It's an awesome church. There are good ones out there. You have to find them. And you, you may have to be intentional about fixing one that's in your community. Um, but that's all I got today is follow through, build a relationship guide the conversation towards spiritual things and follow through on it because we are called to make disciples of every nation by teaching them to observe all that God has commanded them, leading them to repentance, teaching them to observe what God has commanded them, and uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a whole other thing, guys. I'm not, not dealing with the nuance of it right now. Jesus said do it, so it's a matter of obedience. So, that's, that's that. Uh, and just always read your Bible, pray every day, and 
be in the mindset of once you've led somebody to Christ, teach them about Christ, and then teach them to teach others about Christ. Because that's how that's how the whole thing works. That's how it, it spins and keeps it moving. I'm spinning my hands if you're listening on the podcast. Uh, so yeah, I've got links to all the different places that I'm at in all the podcasty things on Spotify and iTunes, who whatever, um, on the YouTubes. I'm on a thing called Audio Mac, which is a thing. You know, uh, check it out. All of it should be follow the leader. Like I said, links links down below if you if you like to listen or like to watch or whatever. And uh, just learn about Jesus. And uh, learn to learn about Jesus. That's all I got. Don't take my word for it. See you next time. Godspeed.